Let's get chilly. All right. Hello and welcome to our first episode of Let's Chill, the official, unofficial Minnesota Wind Chill and Minnesota Ultimate Frisbee podcast. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Jeff Novak. I'm Jay Novak. And I am the youngest. I'm Kane Novak. So we are we are three brothers who've just uh, grown a passion for for ultimate in the past couple of years, and uh, most notably we've we've attended a lot of wind show games, especially in 2022. Uh, first first official wind show game we attended was in 2021, and you know we just we love the sport, we love the team, and uh, here we are growing it and and wanted to talk more about it. So, um, anything else before we get started, guys? All right. Well, let's let's kick it off now. Um, so we are going to start with a little game that we're going to call Stall Seven. Basically, the premise of the game is that we're each going to ask everyone else a question. You got seven seconds to to answer the question. Um, maybe some of you know that there's there's rule considerations. It might might turn to Stall Five in the next couple <laughs> couple months. We'll see how that rule develops. Um, but for now, we'll stick with stall seven. So I got a I got a quick question, a fun little uh, question to start us off with. All right. So for Kane and for Jay, you got seven seconds. Kane, we'll start with you. Name three players, three windshield players who in 2022 scored 10 or more goals. You got seven seconds now. Quinn Snyder, Brian Venuka, and I'm going to say Dylan DeClerc. All right, let us confirm. I had the stats up. I lost them now, of course. You said Quinn Snyder, yes. Brian Vanuka, yes. And then you said Dylan DeClerc. Yep. I got to confirm. He had to have, right? I I took a swing and chose a defensive player. I mean, that was not a bad choice. Let's see here. I lost my stat sheet all of a sudden. The suspense. Dylan DeClerc in 2022 had 27 goals. Oh my gosh, by far. Wow. Yes, wow. All right. Blew Nothing that one to out it. Water. Uh, I suppose, Jay, you could just copy those answers. So, so, Jay, do you want to ask your next question then for one of us? All right. So, we'll start with Jeff first on this one. Jeff, in 2022, how many losses did the Minnesota, Minnesota Windchill suffer? If I could unmute. Oh my gosh. Um, they had three regular season losses and one postseason loss. So for a total of four. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. All right, Jeff, I'm gonna go back to you as well. Bring it on. All right. In seven seconds. Can you tell me? Quinn Snyder currently holds the record for most points scored in one game for a Minnesota windshield player. He ties this record. With what other player in the Minnesota Winchell history? Is it Ben Yacht? It is Ben Yacht. Let's go. On the seventh second, he got the answer. Let's ben go. Ben and Quinn Snyder, both 10 points in one game. Jeez. Yeah, and I can actually take my uh, second question, hand one over to Jay here. In the 2022 regular season play, there was one Minnesota windshield player who pulled the disc all the way out the backside of the opposing end zone. He then sprinted down the full length of the field 
and on their first throw of possession, he got a Callahan. What player was this? You know, I, I really want to say that it was it was Roy, because that just sounds no. like something Roy would have done. Oh, seven seconds up. It was Abe Coffin. It was against the Madison Radicals. My my other question, and I'll just throw this in as a fun fact before we get started, was related to Callahan's. So I, doing some quick research, there's five or six players on the wind chill who have scored a Callahan in the history of the team. The last Callahan to have scored was uh, against Indy in 2021, and none other than Nick Vogt had scored that Callahan. So uh, good company there, good some good names on that list. Um, well, so speaking of uh, some some great success and some some huge plays that we got to see in 2022, um, let's talk about the the season. I mean, this episode we're really going to keep it to just a general overview of what happened in 2022 with the wind chill and and what we saw and what we're excited for. So, um, just to kick it off and just have a question: what the 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 big question that we're always left with with the wind chill is. What on earth happens when we play Chicago? Because all of our losses except one in 2022 came to Chicago, most notably the playoff loss, which again, I mean, in 2021, they lost to them in the playoffs too. What happens when we play them and what are we going to do to stop that? You know, I, I think it's got to be mostly mental because if you watch most other teams in the Central Division play Chicago, I'm thinking specifically of the one game that Chicago had at Indianapolis. They won by one point. And Indianapolis was actually leading for the majority of that game. And this was the week directly after Indianapolis was at Minnesota for a game. And we beat them by, like, I think it was close to 10. So, I mean, it's it's not a skill thing, I'd say. I I, I personally think it's really just a mental block we have against Chicago. Because again, you look at like our 2021 season as well, as you mentioned, the only team we lost to was Chicago. And all of our games against them are close until we get to the playoffs, but that's a different story. Well, that's that's interesting too, because even in 2021, the playoff game, and we, we, we pulled the Minnesota and lost <laughs> the last like five minutes of the quarter of the, of the whole game. We should have had that one, and, and 2022 is a totally different, totally different game. We weren't even the same team who were playing Chicago, but so I think in 2022, just looking at this from a more statistics angle, um, Chicago had a significantly better offense than what Minnesota had gone up against in the rest of the Central Division. Uh, as we know, Minnesota's defense was one of the best in the league, um, arguably the best in the league, depending on how we compare different divisions. Um, and Chicago's offense just didn't give Minnesota's defense very many, if any, chances to capitalize. So when Minnesota's offense faltered, Minnesota's offense didn't do that great, um, it was Chicago that could capitalize on that and get those break points that they needed that ultimately Minnesota never got, so ended up losing to Chicago there. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that too, because um, Ben Feldman, the, the head coach of the Windchill, actually had said something like that. Um, about the season overall, but especially at that last playoff game, was they just didn't expect Chicago to be as prolific on offense as they were. I mean, they knew they know who Chicago is. They weren't kidding themselves. 
but Chicago just had something else clicking and it was just enough to give them slight edges in the regular season and then this huge lead in the postseason. Um, and yeah, at the same time, that coin there, Chicago's huge offense coincided with Minnesota's really poor offense too. Um, and we looked at, you know, stats comparing 2021 to 2022 for Minnesota and, and their offense wasn't significantly worse, but it was worse enough to, to put up performances like that, which was a, a pretty big bummer. I think that's one of the uh, exciting things about Ultimate is, again, looking at statistics for 2021 to 2022 season, the defense of the Minnesota Windchill is exponentially better in the 2022 season than it was in 2021. But looking at the offensive stats, 21 was a much better year for our O-line than 22 was. And that's kind of goes to show how Ultimate is almost unique in the sense that even if your defense is number one in the league, it doesn't mean as much. Like other sports, you got the best defense, you're a top five contender for sure. But as we saw, Minnesota was knocked out second round of the playoffs, which is kind of interesting when you're looking at it from a statistic standpoint. Well, also just to be just to be a, a jerk for a second, you could you could argue that Minnesota was a top five contender though, because if there's four final teams and they didn't make it to the final four, but they made it to the <laughs> the final eight. They could, they all could, right, be, all right. they might be a top five contender. Uh, I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because I mean, Minnesota's defense was essentially an offense. I mean, the the amount of break points that they were scoring, and just just how often their defense was on the field, actually almost made it probably worse for their offense because their offense barely even got a chance to to play and that's not even being dramatic in some games where again like against Indy like there, it was break point after break point after break point and we were right there in the stands and it was like Quinn Snyder is never on the field but Dylan DeClerc is out here scoring you know five goals a game like something's up you know that's that's unique right so what um what who who were those big names then? I guess like or rather who should those big names be next year? Because now we've got a great 2021 lineup, we have a great 2022 lineup, and they're pretty much similar, very similar lineups, but very different results, right? O offensive heavy, defensive heavy. So like, what is 2023 looking like for us? Well, I think that you can't talk about the future of the wind show without talking about kind of the history of it. And the key players who really anchored it this year, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you got Brian Vanuka, who showed up this season, had one of his best years of all time. And I'd argue he wasn't even the best player on the win show this year. I mean, you got players like Brandon Mattis, who in his 100th game of the year, put up some, some massive numbers this year. And so I think if we look towards those veterans, you got people like, like Josh Klain, who I think holds the record for most assists in a regular season you look back at guys like that who have sort of the veterans on this team and start to put some more emphasis on a stronger offense so like guys like josh Klein, and then you mix it in the younger guys like a roy and really start to hammer in having a stronger offense with both experience and just raw skill not to be a bit of a downer on that point um 
but Minnesota, I believe, did just trade a Roy to New York. Is that official? I'm I'm not positive, but that's what they've. I mean, of course, been looked at very very heavily. There, um, there is rumors. There are rumors that and, and right, like we're we're breaking the news here, and maybe by the time this podcast is out, maybe this is old news. Uh, a Roy and Jurek both are East Coast East Coast boys. Um, are they giving us Ben Yacht back? That's what I'm saying, right? Like, they better. So it on. looks like, yeah. So the rumors, um, and this isn't even rumors. This is posted on AUDL's page. Uh, you can find us on the AUDL. The rumors they're looking at is trading um, A-Roy, um, people like A-Roy DeCleric, um, even Snyder for uh, people like Ben Yacht and Connor Klein. Um, we don't know exactly what and who, but those are these are rumors that have been discussed and of course the AUDL oversees all these trades so of course they've been there and present for this whole time okay well then Jay what's the uh what's the key to next year then what's your answer to that since you, you kicked A right out under me <laughs> um so hopefully if we can get Ben Yacht I would like to see a stronger trade for offense I would like to see um our defense was fantastic our defense has always been fantastic um, but especially in ultimate defense doesn't win your games. Offense wins your games. If you give up a break point, um, if you give up a break point, you're basically just throwing away the game right there. If you can't get it back, but if you don't give up a break point, like Chicago did to the, um, chill so frequently this last season, you just don't lose the game. Chicago didn't give up break points to Minnesota. So if Minnesota doesn't give a break points back, it's going to be neck and neck and even tighter. Okay. First of all, I just want to like bring this back. Like the fact that we're even talking about Ben Yacht being back on the windchill, like, like Jay, you weren't there. And for our listeners, Kane and I are always on, we're all, we're the two on the fence at every windchill game. We're always right there. We're the ones with the science screaming. We're probably annoying you and, and all that, but Ben Yacht's brother <laughs> had showed up to a couple, at least two, at least two games. Um, and, and we had some kind of one-on-one interactions with him and we kept saying, Hey, when, when's Ben Yacht coming? And, and of course we meant coming to watch a windshield game, but Hey, if, if that means coming to play for a windshield team again, bring, I'm not going to be the too hometown boy back. Bring let's him back. Bring, let's do that. Let's bring him back. And man, I just can't even wrap my head around the fact that we're talking about it. And I, I can't get too excited, but that's cool. You know, and, and Jay, you had mentioned, too, uh, that defense doesn't win you games. And I, I agree with your premise, or rather your example of Chicago not giving up a break point. I mean, again, Winchill, the Winchill won games because of break points, right? I mean, because they, ha- they took opportunities that they were given and capitalized. I mean, if you, if you put one word on the season, it's, it's capitalized because that's exactly what they did on defense. But I guess I'm trying to, I'm almost thinking out loud here. Their defense is what won them games. And on the contrary, where if Chicago were to give up a a break point, the Minnesota's defense would have won them the game. So does defense win you games or does offense lose you games? Or is that just, is that nothing? Am I trying to... (laughs) Uh, I kind of see the point you're making. I guess the point I was more going for is that strong defensive players, players that get blocks, players that get interceptions, aren't the majority of um, breakpoints. The majority of breakpoints 
are going to be coming from dropped passes, um, heavy pressure on players. You know, it's not the extreme defensive stats we're looking at. We're not looking at blocks or interceptions for these turnovers. Um, sometimes it's even just stall counts, you know. So good defensive players are important. But once you get that disc back, you're on offense again. So your D-line needs to be strong offensively, like Minnesota's was this last season. So they can capitalize on it. Um, but like let's say Minnesota's defense didn't really win them games so much as their ability to capitalize on other teams' offensive mistakes. So so because Indy dropped the disc a lot, Minnesota won, <laughs> is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. And if, if we're looking forward to like the future of the wind chill, uh, we know our defense across the board is locked down, and we saw some crazy numbers again this year. So, I, I mean, we can get rid of... As much as it hurts to say, if, if it is a rumor that we're trading to Clerk, I'll take the to Clerk trade for Yacht. Like, I'll, I'll take that any day because I don't know if I would, though. He had he 27 so... goals this year. Like, exactly yeah. what Jay is let's saying. Check, let's check Yacht's numbers, though. Let's see what he's putting up. <laughs> I mean, true, but that's not a one to one trade. I mean, those, these are two different, these are not, right? Like, we're putting these two players in different situations. I without without knowing the stats, without having the stats right here, I would venture to guess that Dylan DeClerc was probably one of the most effective players on the windshield this year. Because both defensively, he had a lot of turnovers. He forced, he probably forced stall counts, maybe inadvertently. It's something you can't measure, but like he's really defending to someone down there. So that that causes the handler to, you know, not be able to get the disc off. Right. So maybe he's inadvertently doing other things. And he's scoring 27 goals as a defensive player. Like, I I know we're talking rumors here and we're getting really into the weeds real fast, but like, that's not the move. Even for Ben Yacht, Dylan DeClerc's not your guy. I would have to say that I disagree with that. I think DeClerc had a great season. I think DeClerc is a fantastic player, but this is, this was his best season. Um, and I think if you put the clerk on a different team for Ben Yacht, you put, give our O-line, you know, a downfield target, someone they can always trust that was going to get the disc, you know, nine, 99 times out of 100. The clerk's not going to the clerk might get the disc one out of 100 times if he's New York versus a chill. But, you know, Ben Yacht's going to get the other 99 if he's on the chill. So I see what you mean. So I guess the, I guess the question we're circling around, the question we need to answer and the question we need to ask is, what is Minnesota missing? Are they missing a handler? Are they missing, you know, a downfield cutter who can lay out at every single thing that's, you know, within 20 yards of him? Are they looking for a defensive player who can force a turnover? You know, like, who who is Minnesota missing? It's I'd say it's definitely got to be our cutters on the O-line. Because if you look at who we have for handlers, again, Without any trading, let's just say it's the exact same team lineup that we had this year. Yep. Every single person on D-line was consistent and did their job as they should on the D-line. Uh, and you go over to our O-line, we had quite a few injuries this year that affected some things. I mean, we, we were listening, missing Nick Vogt for a large chunk, if not the entire season. I mean, that's that a huge. star player that would have been perfect to help anchor our offense a little bit more. And so we got the handlers, we got the people we need. We can plug in another person like Ben Yacht to have that strong offensive efficiency for those big hooks. Then that could be something that we were missing this year. Or even like you mentioned, like, let's get Nick Vogt back. 
But right. uh, and I'm not saying Nick Bowe and Ben Yacht are comparable, and obviously we'd love to have both of them on the field at the same time. Um, but but I wonder if getting a Nick Vote back is is almost as effective while while keeping everyone you have right now too, right? Like without having to get rid of DeClerc, but you get Nick Vote who's like who's like discount Ben Yacht, right? <laughs> You know, I'm just that's that's a possibility, right? Um, it's accurate. <laughs> it's it's like if you go to the Dollar Tree, you got Nick Vote, and you go to Target. Okay, but no, no, I take that back. That's that's doing Nick Vote so dirty. Nick Vote, if you if you're listening, man, we'd love to have you on the podcast I'm, sometime. Come on and well, and <laughs> prove prove this guy wrong. Tell him what you can do. Okay, but Nick Vote is one of my favorite players on the team too. That's the thing. I'm yeah. I'm talking. I'm gonna mute myself. Somebody else take it over. <laughs> Well, no, because another big injury we had this year, and we talked to him in the stands. He came to a lot of games and watched. Jimmy Kittleson was gone for the 2022 season. Yeah. That was massive because even without him, our defense was crazy. I mean, again, it was better than it was when he was on the D line. Yeah. So I wonder if, you know, we, I don't have the stat sheets of what the O line and D line looked like, but if we could put Kittleson back on D line, Maybe that could free up some players who were maybe be better suited on O line, like Sam Ward. I would have loved to see what he could do if he was on O line, or even I Abe think. Coffin. Abe Coffin, Coffin, I think on yeah again on O line would have been crazy. Yeah, I think defensively he'd be better, but just to try him out, if we could have a player like Kittleson back to anchor the defense and kind of experiment with our offense, I think we didn't really take enough risks with what our offense could have been this year. That's a that's a good point. I think they were pretty constrained by their injuries. And I mean, I know at least with Dallas, and I and I've heard maybe even like in his high school days, Abe Coffin is an offensive player by by design. Um and and he's adapted so well to Minnesota's defense. But again, Minnesota's defense acted as an offense, which is why he thrived. I think they keep him on defense for that exact reason and for his his polls. Everyone's talking about his polls now, um, which is huge. And right, he got, he got his own Callahan. He got a Callahan, Callahan because of his own poll. So, but but point taken. I mean, absolutely. If you get your major defensive players back, you can you can flex these other players to to fit your needs as the game develops. I I like to bring us back to what we were talking about, which was how, like, what does Minnesota need? And I think the way we're discussing it actually brings up a great point, which is, I don't think it's one player. I think that the team as a whole needs to just be restructured and players be moved around to fit better roles. I think what Minnesota did really well this year was their defense, obviously. What they did really poorly this year was they didn't, they didn't change from their format. They saw what was working and they stuck to it, even when it wasn't working. Um, and I, I remember I was in, I was at the finals weekend this this year and I got to watch, you know, the Flyers play the Empire and the Flyers started off bad, doing bad. And by the end of the game, they had changed their game plan. They were, you know, hustling different directions. They were running different pass plays. They were still losing, but they had figured out what they needed to do to do better. And Minnesota never really did that this season. And while the Flyers made a small comeback and ended up losing to the Empire, um, they at least tried something else. It makes a lot of sense, actually. Man, it reminds me of, of the twins. Like they're it's so it's so calculated, it's so formulaic. Like it's the seventh inning, there's one out, and we have to bring this very specific pitcher in. It doesn't matter who's up to bat, right? Like it's like this is your role. 
and that that hurts you in the end. Um, and we can talk about the twins on another podcast, but but same same idea, right? They they see one thing, they see a pattern, and they follow that because they don't know anything else. Yeah, for sure. I think that was a, a struggle, especially again for the old line, because there's not much variation you can do with defense. I mean, you, you block the disc when you get the opportunity to. Like Jay was saying earlier, a lot of the D-line points came from mistakes on the opposing team's offense, and that was great. We took opportunity. We took advantage of that, for sure. But on O-line, that's almost where you have to be making the plays happen. You can't wait for something to happen. You have to go out and get it. And I feel like our offense wasn't ambitious enough this season for that. So, yeah, we had we definitely had a lot of young players this year. I think again, it, it goes back to injury. Um, again, without vote, and I think um, Bivon played a lot of defense, which honestly I think surprised me. I mean, he we were like almost halfway through the season, and he had like four goals, and yep. then all of a sudden he just like went crazy and and finally broke the record and all that. But yeah, we had a lot. It was a young offensive team. Because I think for injury injury purposes, I mean, we had Marty Adams, Brett Bergmeier, Paul Krennic. I mean, j- those are just a few like big names, and and um, a lot of them played a lot of defense, but a lot of them made were had room made for them on the offensive line too, which was cool to see. And they they showed up, but um, yeah, without those pillars, it's kind of hard to know where you're going, what you're doing. Right. I would say another thing about the offense being weak this year is partially because they were young, but not just because that means they aren't talented, that they can't make those plays, that they can't, um, you know, get those points. It's that when they do give up that turnover, watching them play, it almost felt like they were shocked that they gave up a turnover, that they weren't expecting to play defense, so they weren't ready to play defense. Um, and I, you know, in complete contrast to our D line, who was, well, we got the turnover, let's go get something from this. Our O line was very much. We gave up a turnover. Might as well just get the disc back after they get the point. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you. I think ultimate is just by nature a very. I mean, it's a very fast paced sport, but not so much like basketball or soccer, where turnovers are basically constant, right? Like ultimate, it, you want it to be more like football, where you have the possession. This possession's yours, but it combines the fast paced nature of basketball soccer so you you have to kind of have both of like we're thinking long term here but also we need to think really short term if in the event of a turnover um and yeah that that comes with experience i guess but yeah that's that's all i got to say about that i I don't know what else to say yeah i guess what it boils down to is just Next year, we have to learn from what we did wrong this year. We got to take the strengths. We got to take our defense, which was phenomenal, and keep that and then work in something new for the offense. Again, like what Jay said there, we got to adapt to what's been happening. We got to make some changes. I mean, I know the team has the talent, obviously. Like, I, I support this team fully. I, I'm amazed by the skill that the players have. I think it's just a matter of how we attack the offense in this coming year. Yeah, I think they do. A, I think they've done a good job at um, at least being aware of that. Maybe if they can't put it into practice, they've definitely um, started to think about that and have that mindset. Um, and and they've already started to make some moves. Just a little preview. Hopefully, 
we can we can talk about this at a later date, but they're they're making moves, getting that Abe Cawthon signing and hopefully looking at some other big players. And you know, that's that's exactly why we're starting this now, right? Because off-season moves are happening, rumors are rumbling, and it's it's gonna get exciting again. And and before we know it, April and May are gonna come and it's gonna be AUDL season all over. So it's definitely gonna be exciting to see what happens with the windchill. Um and yeah, I just I can't wait to be back in those stands. It's gonna be so awesome. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good season for sure. And like you were saying, the off season is gonna be just as exciting. So everyone listening, everyone watching, make sure to tune in here, check out the website for all the updates and information, articles, podcasts. We'll keep you all updated and keep you all entertained. Uh, and don't awesome. forget to uh come out and see you in the stands. Stay chilly. <laughs>